the voice of the Hoosiers, the Hall of Famer, the legend himself, Don Fisher. Nice enough to take some time with us as he does each and every Monday. Don, how are you, sir? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, senior day for you. Uh, the way that game closed, a little overtime action. You're you're a, you're a, a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. Where does that rank up for you in terms of that type of finish, that type of electricity on a senior day? You're asking me a question like that after last night. I got hardly no sleep. Are you kidding me? I can't remember anything past last night. <laughs> well, I can focus on just last night then. If you want me to, if you want me to to bring it back down to a more reasonable level for both of us. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be good because, honest to goodness. We've had a lot of games throughout the years that, that that would be very close to this in the sense of excitement and and how it finishes and what it means, all those kinds of things. But at the same time, uh, you know, these days they all kind of flow together. Sure. So I can't come up with just one thing. But I can tell you that it was special. The atmosphere was tremendous in the assembly hall, as you might expect. Uh, it's just one of the best atmospheres in all of college basketball. Mackey will rival that. I'm not going to argue that point. But sure. the, there's just no question. The state of Indiana loves its basketball. And you can't get better uh, than Indiana for for college basketball, high school basketball, whatever it may be. So without question, it was a, it was a great atmosphere. It was so much fun to be a part of and a, a great win for Indiana. They had to win it. Uh, the amazing thing about it is you had seven teams going into Sunday with six games being closed for second place in the league and Indiana with the win ties Northwestern for second place in the conference standings at the end of the regular season. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, Donald, that that was a heck of a game yesterday between the Hoosiers and, and Michigan and they definitely needed it. You, you know what I needed, Don, the day that I invited you to play golf with me? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I, I was bragging to the, 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 the two that we were paired up against and uh, I got you some free golf. You, I think you almost, you didn't even show up with time to, to get on the range. And uh, you let me down. And <laughs> This comes up every time we see each other. This yeah. is just ridiculous. <laughs> but I tell you, hey, um, on a less serious note, because that's, that's too serious. It hurts. I know. Um, it hurts. I know. You know, you, you, you went through, you, you've seen Indiana in every Big Ten tournament. And it's almost to the point where it's starting to talk about, like, the, the Cubs not winning the World Series since, what was it, 1908. I, I said this earlier, and I know you didn't listen to me. Um, You're right. I was but, but, but I think I'd be shocked. For me, I'd be shocked, and, and I know you can't say that to this extent, but... Uh, I'd be shocked if Indiana, based on their talent, based on their experience, and based on how they're playing, I know they didn't play great yesterday or against Iowa, but I think they're ready. I think that part of their problem is is they're they're ready for the tournament. They're ready for the tournaments. They're ready for March. They're tired of the dog days of late January, February. I think guys like Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, um, you know, Miller Cop, those guys are ready to be back for March, be back in March. And I'd be shocked if they don't win the Big Ten tournament. What are your feelings towards Indiana as they um, get uh, geared up for the Big Ten tournament in March? 
Well, I, I think the big thing, Doc, right now, Doc, did it again. I'm Just game. call me dork. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it, Dane. Jimmy, because Jimmy you, and I you, had a bet. I the golf again. You I won come the up bet. With the golf again. You, I know, but you come up with the golf again. So I'm gonna, I'm, not, hey, I'm gonna call I, you. I'm gonna start calling you dork. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my thoughts are this. Without question, this team uh, has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde of late. They have played the last seven ball games with a win-loss, 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 win scenario. That doesn't give me great feel feeling about what we're about to face in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, three straight days, if you get there to the championship ball game, uh, back to back to back. That's number one. Number two. The one thing that really concerned me after watching the the game against Iowa this past week was they just didn't look like they had any legs left, and that means the energy wasn't there. Obviously, the the come down off of the gigantic win over Purdue last Saturday was a big part of that, but they just didn't have legs in that game. That really concerned me. That's number one, and then number two, uh, can you get back and can you be resilient after a loss like that? Well. That's exactly what they did. I'm not quite sure what to expect in this Big Ten tournament. I know they want to win it. They want to. I know that Trace Jackson up there that they want a Big Ten conference championship tournament. Um, but but and it's never happened. So there's some. There's obviously a lot of incentive there for these guys. But at the same time, I don't know quite how you expect to, to see this team go into a three game scenario with the lack of bench help that they've gotten of late. Uh, not being the deep team that we thought they're going to be at the beginning of the season, and expect them to go three straight ball games with those guys playing that many minutes and winning it. Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, nice enough to take some time with us. Don, you mentioned the fact they didn't have the legs against Iowa, but obviously it was present, particularly in the second half yesterday. My, my biggest worry about this team going into senior day was if they face a deficit, do they have the offensive firepower and to your point the legs and the energy to carry the day they rallied from a 12 point second half deficit yesterday to get that done did that move the needle similarly for you in terms of they've shown a couple times obviously they can win late they won on the road at Michigan just off the top of the dome uh, in mm-hmm. that series and then rally from 12 down yesterday did that move the same way for you yeah, and, and, and I think the, the thing about this league this year, the parity is just amazing. It's just simply amazing. And maybe that's the case all over the country from a college basketball basketball perspective. But uh, this league, there's just nobody you can take the day off on. Nobody. Uh, I mean, Minnesota proved that last week. There, mm. there, this, is a, this is a program or a, or a conference, I should say, right now that has terrific coaching, they, they have terrific players. Uh, it's a league that just beats the snot out of one another throughout the season. And if you look at the last two tournaments, the last two NCAA tournaments, the Big Ten has laid a big egg because they've gotten like eight or nine teams in uh, in the NCAA tournament, and they only get maybe one or two to the Sweet 16. Um, it tells you that this league has such a grind to go through that it's really tough on all of these players and these coaches and uh, you just have to have a special, special year if you're going to get past that point. Fish, uh, how much have you studied? Have you had time to study the, the Big Ten tournament bracket? Uh, my, my thought is this. I think they, the Indiana's side of the bracket 
at least the eye test looks very pleasing. And um, you look at Northwestern, you look at Maryland. Uh, those are all teams that I can envision Indiana beating with ease. I know they've lost sure. twice to Northwestern. What are your thoughts on Indiana's side of the bracket? If, if you've looked at it, if not, just make something up. well i've looked at it and i i mean you're not wrong Uh, i I really do think it's the easiest part of the bracket uh i think because look at michigan what they've done within games went down to the wire uh iowa red hot don you still got us yeah i do sorry we lost you there for a second yep Don's in the um, the locker room getting ready to play some golf. He's getting. getting... I, I literally have not moved in this chair. He's combing so his I don't hair. Know what happened there? <laughs> Doc just kills me. <laughs> it's dork to you. <laughs> but but at any rate, the the bracket itself, uh, there's no question. Uh, I think that's the easiest part uh, of the bracket itself, as far as Indiana's concerned. And I, I I do think Indiana's got a chance. I mean, they do have a chance to to get to the championship game and to perhaps give Indiana its first ever victory in this tournament. But I also one done in this tournament, and that's 18 of them. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean that's literally all-time record is eleven and eighteen. I think going into last year and, and last year, of course, Indiana kind of broke up that phenomenon with uh, a really good performance in two of the three ball games that they played. And actually, they played really well in all three of them. They just get they just didn't win. So, um, I mean, look, if Indiana plays up to its capability, they have every opportunity to win the Big Ten champion. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But. I just don't see the bench right now helping them as much as they need help right at this juncture of the season. Yeah. And, I, and that's part of the reason why legs are an important factor here. Yeah, and great legs you have. Those calves are phenomenal, especially when they glisten <laughs> in that sun. Hey, Fish, um, if if not uh, Indiana or Purdue, what other Big Ten teams, can you see making a run, if any, in the NCAA tournament? Because I think that, uh, as you said, there's a lot of parity in college basketball. And so, if not those two teams, what other Big Ten teams do you think could make a run? And maybe you don't think Indiana or Purdue can make a run. Maybe you do. I'd be curious to know, though, what teams outside of the state could make a run in the NCAA tournament. Well, I, I do think Purdue is a team that has the ability, uh, and getting out of the Big Ten may help them. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because everybody knows that they've got a formula now to deal with that, and um, some teams are just not going to be uh, available to, or to be able to deal with what Zach Eady can bring to the table. And we know that the guards have been a little bit suspect here toward the end of the season for Purdue. But I do think they've got a, a really good bench. and They've got a lot of players they can go to there. And if they find themselves a little bit here in the postseason, uh, they could be a danger to everybody. Uh, aside from them, I think everybody else in the, in the Big Ten, I don't, think there's, I don't think there's much chance of them or, or of anybody else in this league going past the sweet that's Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers. Nice enough to take some time with us. Don, always appreciate you. Uh, safe travels to the Windy City and looking forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Fish. Jimmy, thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Dane, thank you so much, big boy. Yes, sir. <laughs>
<laughs> I'll be at the show tonight. <laughs> okay, Mr. Dork. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Don. See you guys. That is Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, Indiana, victorious yesterday, 75-73 to in overtime over Michigan. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife from the DriveHuber.com studios here on the Fan Midday Show. It's championship week. Yes. It's already begun. We got some tickets punched. Big 10 ACC. Get going here in the next couple of days. But first, as we bring in our next guest. A champion. One of my favorites. A champion in his own right. The coach, Seth Greenberg. Seth, I got to start off with this. Me and Dane were going back and forth about it before we went to break. The following stat I'm going to give you. Is it a narrative or is it a trend that should be looked at when you're trying to find who's going to win it all this year? Since 2000, all but four of the national championship winners shot 36% or better from beyond the arc. Is that a narrative or is that a trend that you should look at when trying to pick between the contenders? No, I think it's, something, it's a trend because in the end, you got to make shots. The game is officiated a little bit more tightly in the NCAA tournament, which means there'll be more freedom of movement. So there'll be better ball movement, which will enable you to get more open shots. And you need the guys who can make shots. Uh, I, I've said all season long, the Big 12 is such a great conference. It's so physical. I just wonder the first two rounds, because I think the next two rounds, it's a little different. But the first two rounds, because those fishers want to advance. I think they'll call it a little tighter, which might impact some of those teams. Not Baylor, not Kansas, but some of those teams defensively. Yeah, I, I think... By the co- way, this is a big-time combination right here. I mean, hey. sorry, Indianapolis, <laughs> this is a big-time... And Jimmy Cook and Dave Five. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this <laughs> I don't know what it took you so long to figure it out. I know. That, that somebody's got to start listening around here. <laughs> hey, Coach, I... It's so interesting. We we talk about you're talking about officiating, and all we hear about is how bad the officiating is in the Big Ten. I know you watch basketball all over the country, but I keep thinking like these officiating consortiums. There's so many officials that mix and match with different conferences. Why is it? Is the spotlight just on the Big Ten? Is the Big Ten that bad? Or is it all over the country that people... I mean, do people complain about the Big 12 officiating as much as they do the Big Ten? No, here's the deal. I mean, let's face it. You guys are in Big Ten country. You see the same officials yeah. all the time. So you get to know who they are. So you get you feel like you know them. So you can feel like you can kind of whack them around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, we, 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 we spend too much time talking about the officials. Look, do they work a ton of games? Yes, they're trying to make a living. Do they work four or five games to the point where, like, come in the middle of February, they're worn out, they're tired, they're irritable, uh, probably sore, no different than players? And coaches. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 oh, 100% in coaches. So, February, I was a mess. All right? So, I mean, I mean, I mean, surely. So, you know, they got a little short of fuse. Yeah. Uh, you know, although I mean, I have to admit, I mean, the stare down, I was very impressed. I would have, I would have run for Emma McCaffrey personally. Yeah, I mean, that's I agree. Me. But, I agree. But, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't think the officiating is any better nor any worse yeah. in the Big Ten than any other conference. I think they get good officials. They do work a lot of games, but you see them so much that you know you feel like they're your buddies, and you know you can go and, and you know crap on them in the bar while you're watching a game. <laughs> yeah, hey, coach, I I turned on game day the other day, and I was so delighted to see your handsome mug on there. You got to meet. Well, they haven't gotten rid of me. They haven't gotten rid nope. of me yet. <laughs> That's because you do a heck of a job. 
Eric Church, okay, is my favorite singer right now. You got to meet him. I I text Coach Billis because I, I didn't want to bug you because because you, you, you're focused. Well, what do you call Billis, Coach Billis, Mark? Why did I say Coach Billis? I text Jay Billis. You're right. You're right. He's no coach. He's no coach. He's a lawyer. I text Jay Billis and I said, "Hey, I'm just throwing this out there, but Eric Church is my favorite singer." He goes, <laughs> "I said, just throwing it out there." He goes, "I'm thinking he's gonna. Hey, hey let me get you on or something." Let me get you on the phone with him or something. I'm thinking he goes, yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. <laughs> yeah, what would he think? We're going to stop it in the middle of the show? No! <laughs> it, I, I figured he, after it's going to be. Day, he was a heck of a player in Indiana. I mean, you know, I mean <laughs> we should put him on TV. You know, no! Give him a call. No, I'm thinking after the show. Hey, man. Hey, Eric, say hi to Dane. Boy, hey, dude. Maybe I'm just not as big time as I think I am. <laughs> What, what, what was it like? Uh, are you are you I now an Eric Church fan? Huh? Are you now an Eric Church fan? Yeah, well, I, actually, my future son-in-law, uh, his family, uh, John Lyon, his dad, and Eric Church, uh, very good friends, actually went to the Final Four in Eric Church's plane and then flew back and then came back again. So oh. I would say that... Uh, I would say that I I have to be an Eric Church fan because John Lyon the third, which is my future son-in-law, Jeez. Uh, is uh, actually went to the Final Four with him. He's got a Final Four ring that Eric Church gave to everyone who made that trip. Oh man, how do I got to find a way to get friends with Eric Church? Got to start those connections a little deeper. You got to get a I don't know. Got to get a grind start, for start it. With the coach. You got to do a better job. Jimmy does. He calls me 15 minutes before we we're going on the air last week. Last <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, wait for Jimmy. Jimmy Coach phone call. I mean, <laughs> Seth Greenberg, the coach. Nice to take some time with us. Awesome. Here on DriveHuber.com Studios, Coach, you mentioned the Big 12 already. When you look at big picture heading into conference championship week, which teams are you having your pool of teams that can win it all? And which conferences are you tracking the most heading into championship week? You know, it's it's interesting. Which it's got to be which teams. I don't I don't track. I mean, I track all the conferences because come selection Sunday and bracketology, I've got to be semi brilliant on all conferences. <laughs> sure, which you are. But I, I I try to obviously focus on teams. I think that have a chance to to win. Uh, you know, like the one trend I would I would look at for you guys is are they in the top twenty offense and defensive efficiency? That's just a, just something you might want to look at because that way they, you know, and then how many guys can they find a way in terms of how many guys like I, I call Alabama Noah's Ark now. I think they're a little soft and you get physical with them, but they got enough guys that can take up for someone else. Uh, look, I mean, I go through each league and, and I say like, who do I think is, is can win four games to get to the final four? Like, you know, at one point I thought that was Indiana. I don't trust Indiana right now. I think they're really good. I think they got a player that can take over a game. Uh, I think that they've got a freshman guard that is absolutely blowing my mind. I need to see them in the Big Ten tournament go and win the thing, or at least get to the finals. I need to see them validate wins. That's a big thing with me. I love their toughness last night. I love their resilience last night. Uh, Purdue, can you unplug those freshman guards, plug them back in because in, in, in the NCAA tournament, the game's going to be officiated differently. You're not going to be able to mug Zach Eady. You're right. not going to be able to do it. So the game is going to be a little bit easier. It's going to be a little bit easier on the guards. My sleeper team in the Big Ten, I'm just going for conferences, is Michigan State. And it isn't the Izzo, you know, January, February, March, Izzo, whatever it is. No, it, like their backcourt is no joke. 
Yeah, they they I check mean, and they're Tyson tough. Walker can make shots at the end of yep. at shot clock at the end of the game, and AJ Hogard, as much as he's added in his career, as Dane could probably attest to, has driven Coach Izzo crazy. They're on the same page, and that dude can get to the to, to the basket, and he can get to the foul line. Joey House is playing great, which is the best story, one of the best stories in college basketball to me because I love that kid. I had him when I went over to Europe, and I think he's just an amazing young man who's been through a ton. They got enough depth up front, and Malik um, Hall. So I mean, those three, those three teams kind of are separate. And, I, and I'll tell you what, the way Northwestern's guarding, who knows, man? I mean, they were good last night, but those three teams to me have separated themselves. You want me to go through another conference? I can. I was going to say, it, I've been doing. I've been working on it all morning. You've been. Uh, you, did you get your morning walk in? Coach, I already got seven, and I got three to go. That's a killer. <laughs> Is Carolina an NCAA tournament team? No, stop, stop. Don't, don't, even, get the, don't even get all the words in your mouth. I mean, stop. We're going to do something at Sports Center today, and Fonz is going to say the most intru- interesting thing he's looking forward to in, in this championship week is Carolina. And I'm going to stop him riding his tracks, just like I stopped you riding tracks. Oh, no. like, 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 just enough. Oh, can we stop talking about Carolina? You had a chance Saturday. You did what you did. Well, you know, they need to get more in transition. Oh, you know, Carolina. They haven't done it for thirty plus games. Why are they all of a sudden going to do it? You know, four, four games in a row. No, we got to stop talking about Carolina. Not having a bad loss does not get you in the NCAA tournament. I didn't get in with five, six, and seven quad one wins. Not that I'm bitter. All right, but I mean, not having not having a bad loss doesn't. So can we please, please, please stop talking about Carolina? Okay, I'm done. Okay, I, I think it's best to agree with Coach on that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to argue with him. No, not on that anyway. Coach, let's switch to the uh, Tar Heels rival then. Six straight winners for Duke. Where do you rank on them Ooh, heading into championship week? I kind of like I kind of like the Blue Devils. I like the job. I actually love the job that John Shire's done in terms of the patience he's had with his team. I think that for a young coach, he's shown great patience. Had the injuries early in the season. Mm-hmm. Brought Derek Lively along. Derek Whitehead's figuring out a role. Lively's got a role now. Put the ball in Tyrese Proctor's hands. Didn't overreact to losses early. Continue to coach his team. They're really good on the defense. So much better defensively than they've been in the last four or five years. Offensively, at the end of games, they actually know where they're going to and how who they want to get the ball to and where they want to get him the ball, which is different than, quite honestly, Coach K's last three years. And don't mm-hmm. at me. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's the GOAT. At the end of the games, they didn't know where to go. That's why Dave Fife went to a Final Four at Michigan State. <laughs> so uh, I think that I think that Duke is for real. I think they've got enough depth, enough length. They've got enough experience. Um, I think putting Roach off the ball was a huge move because now uh, he could play ahead of the defense. He catch the ball in reversals and draw closeouts. Uh, and Filipowski is a, is a problem because the guy gets to the line and they are a monster offensive rebounding team. Filipowski reminds me of Leitner. What say you? Yeah, you know that, that's good. I know the, of these of these unlikable as much, but uh, I would say that he's got a little Leitner in him. Uh, you know, I went and watched him practice for a day and a half early in the season, and I was unimpressed with Filipowski. He was like mm-hmm. a soccer player. Every time he got knocked down, it took him a half hour to get up. It drove me crazy. <laughs> uh, John Shark is Craig eventually just threw him out of practice when he acted like that. And, uh, and the guy, the guy's grown up. I mean, I, I'm really impressed with him. I think he. I think he's been really, really good. I mean, not, that's an understatement. Just look, he's not settling to be a perimeter guy. He's a seven-foot guy that can make a shot, but I, I don't care about that. He can make a shot. Go where you, go play your strap. He can drive it, spin, and get in the lane. He offensive yep. rebounds his misses. He can duck you in and post up. 
uh, pretty a willing passer. Uh, I've been really, really impressed with him. Seth Greenberg, nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Seth on Hoops. Coach, you already mentioned where you're at with Indiana. You want to see them either make it to the Big Ten final or win the whole thing. You need to see them string together a couple of victories and you have the, have those prove it wins after big time victories. Switching to the other side of the state, though, with Purdue, well, where's your pulse on the Boilermakers heading into not only their side of the Big Ten tournament, but, but their aspirations are still make it not just a deep run, but they'd love to have a Final Four banner up at Mackey. Yeah, I'm higher on Purdue than other people. You know, do they have warts? Yeah, they have warts. Do they have young guards? I, I look at, and, and Dan, you probably have a better feel for this because you've done it more recently than I have, but when you have freshman guards, and now you're in March, especially now when you play the freshman guard, they're not freshmen anymore. No. Those kids are so, yeah, I mean, those kids play too many minutes. You, you can't, you know, oh, my God, we're your freshman guards. You played them 30-plus minutes a game for 30 games. They've been in practice since, since you know, June, uh, and especially where Matt coaches. So I, I don't think their guards are a liability. Uh, people get up underneath them. Can they take them out and push them out a step? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But I also think that people aren't going to lean on Zach the way they did. I mean, I was the one that showed the best game plan to play against Zach Eaton. They just threw a kiss and sink at him. And you know what? Make him a passer. Make those other guys beat you. Don't let Zach Eaton play on his side. Then they throw over the top. Play behind him, and he just backs you down. You know, uh, you know, front him, and he seals, and they go high-low because they run that little action where they pin him down in the middle or they, or, or they bring first up to the top of the circle, and they go high-low. I'd say three, you know, push him out with an arm bar behind and then run the kitchen sink at him, get it out of his hands, and then make sure you, you, you cut him out off the glass. That's, that's me. But I, yeah, I, think, I think Purdue can make a run. I do. And you know what? I don't root for people because I'm in this position, but I'm a big Matt Painter fan. Uh, and, I, you know, I look at Matt right now like I looked at Jay before he went to the Final Four and won championships. And he's too good a guy, he's too good a coach, and he's too. Uh, doing it his own way uh, and not being bothered by all the static around it, the way he recruits. I love it. Are you calling any games or are you in studio the rest of the way? No, that's just a little thing, a little company called CBS and TNT and, and those guys. I'm, I'm a member of the four-letter network. Don't use it in a, prof- in a profane way. But, uh, no, I'm up, I've got studio today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, 12 o'clock and three, uh, 2 o'clock, and then I'm off to Greensboro, in the ACC tournament, and then we come back on Saturday night, and we do SEC championship, and then we have a little thing called bracketology. I can't wait. I can't wait. Is this the best time of the year, Coach? Yeah, it's. you know what? It, it, it is, uh, especially if you're in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, you, when you're the first four out or whatever allegedly you are, it's probably not a lot of fun, as I can speak Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean it, it is. Well, here's the thing, and I, I get a kick out of it. You guys are lit. You guys kind of live it. But uh, it's so interesting to me that we we are always updating the uh, football watching public. Mm-hmm. Like the second week of February, and for those that were watching football, we're going to update you on what's going on. You can't watch two sports at the same time. Is it that <laughs> difficult? Like, is it that difficult to say? You know what? I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna watch the Chiefs, and then you know what? There's a great game on. You know, I'm gonna watch that game. I mean, I don't like like come on, viewing public. I mean, college basketball each and every night, amazing finishes. It never disappoints. We can do two ever once. 
ever. And and Jimmy wants to talk Colts all day, Coach. <laughs> I mean, that's all he wants to talk about. It's not true. I well, love, I love college I basketball. You, can I give you? Can I give you a little advice here? Uh, it's not that you have to listen to me. Like like if this is going to be a gig, which I personally think that is the best combination and you know that you can have in the current moment is you two guys. I would say I will talk Colts until I'm blue in the face. But if they want to talk college basketball to the NBA. I'm more than able to do that. Just a little coaching right there. Yeah, that's we why know we, he is the coach. That's why he is the coach. We know we take that to heart. Last thing I had for you on my end, Coach, you've talked a little bit about some of the top conferences and teams from those conferences you're watching. Uh, mid-major action, obviously you never know if teams going to get bounced or not, but as we head into championship week, uh, who's a team we should watch out for from those ranks? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If Utah State gets in, watch out for Utah State because those dudes can pass and cut and make shots. They're the best shooting team maybe in the country. They're one of the top 20 probably in offensive efficiency. Ryan Oda, my former assistant's there. Not that I'm biased. But like those is. dudes can really, really shoot the ball. The Mountain West, even though they laid an egg last year, I think they're a conference you might want to keep an eye on a little bit. Uh, Boise State can really defend. They got a good start in five. I was really impressed with Drake yesterday. Yep. You know, people forget Roman Penn's about 40 years old. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he played against Fife when he was. <laughs> he did. He did. I look younger than him, too. Uh, yeah, and DeVries is, is, boy, he is a good, good, good player. I think they got the big kid Brody. He's like a 6'10", yep. big wide body kid. Uh, I think they have a toughness. They play with really good pace. Yep. They're a good defensive team, and they can make shots. Drake Drake's. Drake's an old team. Yeah, Drake's yeah. an interesting team to me. Uh, I'm, I'm really impressed. The game tonight, if, if, if Furman wins. Furman's backcourt. Uh, you know, Bothwell and, and Slauson, well, those two guys are pretty good. I'm not sure how good. You know, they didn't win those big games they had to in terms of uh, mm-hmm. in their non-conference. But, uh, but they, you know, they lost to NC State and those people. But uh, Furman's, Furman's pretty good. Bob Ritchie does a really good Furman job. Furman out of the SoCon. Asheville, North Carolina game tonight. Yeah, SoCon's uh, it's a well it's a well coached league. Yep. Very good, well coached league. Coach, thank you for making time for us. I know it's busy season for you. We're just excited for championship week as you are. Looking forward to following along from afar. You, two of the great ones, no doubt about it. Enjoy You're walks four through seven. Four through seven. We'll knock that thing out before four o'clock. Thank you, Coach. And and hook me up with Eric Church if you can. <laughs> Now that the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the coach, Seth Greenberg. Gosh, he's the best. Oh, Follow him on man. Twitter, at Seth on Hoops. Happy Monday to you, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here on The Fan from the DriveHuber.com studios. Already got your college hoops fix with Don Fisher and Seth Greenberg a little bit earlier. We now head to the pro level. One of our favorites, he is Tony East of SI.com and Locked on Pacers podcast tony thank you as always for making the time i need your help with something because it's it's, it's guilt riddenness that is coming after me the last couple of days oh i am i continue to be on the tank train at times but then i see a game winner and i'm a sucker for a game winner i'm a sucker when it's a player like tyler's Halliburton, and when it's the bulls <laughs> on the road i mean it, it Why'd you where, point at me? I'm where, a Pistons where, where do you fan. land with this team? I'm pointing everywhere. I like the point. I'm point just moving around. I got a lot of high energy right now. Quit telling the audience that I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a Pistons fan. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Uh, but appreciate the clarification. I like the Pacers, too. 
Speaking of which, Tony, where, where should I be? Where, where's your where's your mindset on this team with about 15, 16 games left to go? Where, where, where are we at with a nice performance against the Bulls and two out on the lost side of a play-in spot? Yeah, it's no secret that it's a good draft. Uh, you know, Len Banyama, good Henderson at the top. No surprises. I mean, I think either of them would have gone number one and probably every draft back since Zion and Morant at least. Um, they're, they're great. And it's not just them that makes it such an appealing draft for teams with great players mixed in all the way down to six, seven, eight, depending on how you feel about certain guys at the college level or the overtime elite program. So there's certainly some uh, points to be made about, you know, getting the best pick possible, especially at whatever you, you want to call the Pacers' current position, uh, year one, year 1.5, whatever it is of a rebuild. Uh, but that said, they internally – certainly would like to push for that play in that playoff spot right Chris Duarte said it last night Matherin said it just after the all-star break right there right there most of the players on this team have not ever played in any sort of playoff play-in game any atmosphere like that they're so close now beating the Bulls really helped them uh, on that pursuit they're only what did you say one and a half two games behind the Wizards now so right within striking distance of 10 I think they have one more against the Wizards this year too so uh, there, there always is, is both sides to the coin, but I think for a young team, you know, it, it's, it's hard to even do anything to, you know, I don't even know what to call it, not tanking, but, you know, it's hard to do anything that would cause them to, to lose. They're already playing a bunch of young guys and winning. So I think they're going to continue to push for the play-in and get the valuable development out of this team. Tony, on that same fence, in my mind, at some point you're going to reach a point of no return where if I am in the tank boat, I'm jumping out and I'm swimming back to shore of playing an island because the more they win games like this, whether it's against the Magic, uh, whether it's against uh, the Bulls, obviously it didn't happen against the Spurs, but if they pick up all three of those wins, suddenly I'm looking at where they're at. It's like, all right, maybe it's better to root for them to make the play in. Where, where is that point of no return as you look at the next three or four for the Pacers? Yeah, there's just not that many games left, right? So that that I'm sure they have something in their in their internally like a number in their head of okay, if we're you know if we're four games out or three games out at any point the rest of the way, uh, you know, okay, we got to think about what our long term situation, right? It's just not possible or or reasonable for us to think we could catch whatever Washington, Toronto, whoever's in that nine ten spot. But uh, you know, they have a not super hard schedule still for the next week or so that could allow them to still make some progress up the standings. Uh, so I, I think for them, it's just going to be assessing where they're at. Like if the Bulls make a run, for example, they have the exact same record right now. Uh, if the Bulls suddenly surge into 10th and they're too far ahead to catch or whatever it is, that's when you, the points of no returns come. Or even the flip side, where if the Pacers themselves lose a couple winnable games, and they even if the Wizards or our Raptors continue to struggle, but they can't catch up because of their own doing, then maybe you think about, okay, what's best for the long term of this team? Is it more minutes versus other young guys that aren't playing, you know, whatever it happens to be. I think the point of no return is probably something like three or four games because there's only about 15 to go. That's a huge gap to catch up at this point in the season. Uh, but I don't know what that number is. I, I would guess it's about four, but th- that's kind of what they have to consider late, this late in the campaign. Tony, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You're the head coach, okay, <laughs> of the Indiana Pacers. All right. You've been told by your GM, Jimmy Cook, Jimmy, you're on the spot, too, that if you don't win the world championship next year, okay, you're fired. All right, now, perfect scenario. Who do the Indiana – what do the Indiana Pacers need? What pieces do they need 
What voids do they need to fill in order to be world champions next year? Is it a, I guess, in other words, is it a, a veteran, a rookie? What's the perfect scenario for you in the draft or in the free agency market? What's the perfect scenario, head coach Tony East? Well, if we're going to win a championship next year, we are going to need some forward depth pretty badly. I think GM Jimmy could agree with me on yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, you know, they've had good success stories at those spots this year. Jordan Wara looks really good since they got him at the deadline. And Neesmith's been a wonder as a defender for this team. But you know, they're going to need more at that spot on really both ends from a total package. And so if they can get someone really impactful at that spot, it would go a long way. And and helping them play their style and defend better on a nightly basis, right? All these games they lose with, with their current star, Tyrese Halbert, now suggest that they have a big talent gap away from winning the title. And I think that in a lot of those games, what you see is, you know, when the, the, the Pacers can't play the, to their identity, which requires them to get stops to run and transition a little more. And if they had a better defender or a better four that could, you know, help in that quest, I think that would help them establish our identity a little more. And also it would – help them score more, which all of a sudden you're not playing as much transition defense. You all understand the snowball effect there, but any forward helps them just connect so many pieces of their team that they're missing. And there's some good players in the draft at that spot. There's some decent free agents this summer. What types uh, of, what types of, uh, who, who are we talking? I mean, I guess just throw a few examples out there of what you, you would envision coach Tony East in, in, <laughs> The Pacers, in, in what would help the Pacers the most, the type of forward you're referring to? What are some names? In the draft, Jarris Walker from Houston would be a great fit with what he's able to do. Uh, around the NBA, just even, like what they had with T.J. Warren, that sort of player prototype, not even T.J. Warren specifically necessarily, although he would be a free agent this summer, ironically enough, but someone who can score, be a big body, and can also defend and you know just give them advantages that they don't have right now. Right, That's the biggest hole in this team where – they're really lacking. They, they, they very rarely, on a night or a possession to possession basis, have you know consistent advantages at the forward spots that they can use to their to play to their identity or to have a good defensive possession, whatever it may be. So, uh, just a, a guys who fit sort of that mold because yeah. Albert and Mather are going to have the ball just so much for this team, right? Right? Rightly so. Uh, this year, next year, whatever our, our our title plan and goal is. So, guys who can do stuff with the ball, especially as like a a play finisher and can defend seem like perfect fits, but I'll defer to GM Jimmy to uh, make the ultimate name yeah. pick. Yeah, well, GM Jimmy's notoriously cheap. The guy won't even give his daughter <laughs> lunch money for school. I don't have a daughter. <laughs> Dog. <laughs> Tony East taking some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at T East NBA. Tony, this numbers have been inflated with the injury to Tyrese Halliburton taking up as much of the season as it did, but 21 different starting lineups for the Pacers this season. <laughs> and <laughs> on this home stretch, we continue to debate whether it's more minutes for Benedict Matherin or, or it's a change or two here or there in the lineup. What kind of fine-tuning or adjustments do you expect, anticipate, or want to see in these final 15, or are we pretty much set in stone of the minutes allotment for this home stretch push? Yeah, I think that when, you know, what we were talking about earlier with what's your pull-the-plug point or go-for point, right? I think that's kind of what that would look like is more experimenting with those lineups. Like, for example, if, if, they just, if they determine they're out of it, right, is there a way that they could find ball handling or point guard minutes for Andrew Nembard, right? Because that's what his role was his entire life on Team Canada and World Cup play at Gonzaga, right, in high school, whatever level you go back to, he's been a one. And 
on this team, he hasn't had those opportunities very often. And uh, on the rare occasion he has, things have looked good, right? You can remember that Golden State game on the road and, and point to that, obviously. But there's been more moments than that. Whereas what he's doing now, more 2-3 role, defensive-minded approach, like that's all been good for the team, but is not what his background suggests that he's the best at, right? So not even just him. There's other guys that, that could potentially have slightly tweaked roles. Like, do you want to explore Isaiah Jackson at the four a little more? That's something that they – we're excited about when they picked him, right? Those sorts of things, I think, are are what they could be looking to to kind of play with and experiment with if uh, if the wheels do fall off. Because right now, it's hard it's hard for me to imagine anyone in a, that they could move to a more optimized role without sacrificing someone else doing what they're good at, right? Like mm-hmm. they they are just so kind of perimeter and guard heavy that it's not easy for them to make a lot of those toggles, which is why. You know, the, the, the nightly debate is who's going to be the backup center. Yep. Is it Jalen Smith? Is it Daniel Tice? Is it Isaiah Jackson? Because everything else is set in stone, right? It's kind of clear what everybody needs to do and where everybody needs to be. So uh, I think that's kind of what that would look like down the stretch of the season. But until until there's a point of, of no return or whatever you want to call it, I think we'll see a lot of similar rotations that we've seen recently in the next couple of games. Second night of a back-to-back for the Sirs tonight when they play Philadelphia. 7-5 and five on the season on the second night of a back-to-back for you against a, a top-tier contender against a positioning spot that Indiana would like to be in. I don't want to, I mean, Dane already did put the pressure on them of winning a championship <laughs> for you coaches, but an area of the Eastern conference, they'd like to be in the upper echelon here in the next year. Or so a measurement game, but as much as where does this team go from here, the rest of the way, what are you most looking at tonight against Philly? Yeah, well, the big one to me, right, is you're, you're getting James Harden leading the league in assists versus Halliburton in second, right? What, what, how does that matchup end up shaking out? Two of the best combo of passing and scoring guards up there with, like, Trey Young and Steph in the entire league, right? Can, can Tyrese Halliburton hold his own in that matchup and keep the Pacers in this game, right? They, they did take Philly to overtime earlier this season. You know, they've shown that they can play with the Sixers team, but Joel Embiid did not play in that game, right? And he, he obviously has been a Pacers killer for – forever basically so for the Pacers to have a chance I think they're going to need a good a good Halberton game and you know he's dealing with a calf injury he hurt his ankle last night he said his ankle's all good but at the same time a back-to-back with a muscle injury is maybe not something the Pacers want to push at this point in the season so if he plays uh, I think seeing how he can fare against one of the best in the league at at his position and with his skill set is going to be huge and obviously for the Pacers you know if you're going to want to beat these teams you have to at some point figure out how to at least sort of slow down the best players in the league. No team has figured out how to slow down Joel Embiid, right? There's a reason he's so good. Uh, but the Pacers notoriously have been bad about that for years and years and years. And it's just so tough to do. Like, again, no team has the blueprint to doing so or else he wouldn't be averaging, you know, 33 and 10. But right. you know, showing some signs of life of making him uncomfortable or having some sort of scheme that you could say, oh, man, you know, if this game was important or mattered, they could lean on this for a few possessions to change the game in their favor or, you know, be something that, Coach Tony, or in this case, Coach Carlisle, could use in a, in a postseason setting. I think those are things that, that they should like to be looking for in games like this against the best in the league. Tony, who's who's the best player in the NBA? Who's who's the MVP? Uh, I, the MVP and the best player are different discussions, but I think the MVP certainly is Nikola Jokic this year. Just, I mean, he, a triple-double on the efficiency he's having is, is impossible, and he gets defended by two or three guys every possession, but he's such a good passer that it's it doesn't matter, and the defense is a little better, and Denver has the top record in the best conference right now. I mean, it's hard for me to not pick him given his statistical profile and team success. I think the best player is still Steph. I've thought it's Steph Curry for years and years and years, uh, but 
certainly as an as a regular season achievement award, uh, Nikola Jokic is having the best season, I think. Who do you think wins in a wrestling match? Me, Jimmy, or Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> is this part of my uh, pursuit of an NBA title next yes. year? Yes. Right team question. building. Yeah. yeah. Team team uh, building. Man, I don't know who will take offense the most to this answer. I gotta go with Eddie. I think. Uh, Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I think he's got the fire to, to yeah. make that happen. Eddie's packing. Let's go. Hey, uh, <laughs> last question then. Let's talk NCA. Who wins the national championship in the men's division? Man, there, there's like no dominant teams that make that an easy pick this year, right? It's a, it's a more open field than in years past. I, I'd be biased to pick my own Hoosiers, obviously, but uh, you know, there's no team that you think is so threatening that it's going to be easy to pick them. I really like what Houston is doing this year. I, I like the, the size of that team, and I like teams that are traditionally good defenders. I think they fare well to to do well in the tournament. So if I had to pick, I would pick Houston, but that, that seems like a boring pick because they're – They've been number one for so long this year, but I think a guy to go with the Cougars. Jeez, that is boring. Are you making it up? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> do, I need to, do I need to pick a Big Ten team uh, to, for the fun of it? No, I'd prefer you uh, move over and pick. Oh, yeah, you did say Eddie would win. Yeah, because he, 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 <laughs> he's the only one that wrestles in tights. <laughs> Tony, you making it up for any Big Ten tournament action? I saw you, obviously, at the United Center for Pacers uh, Bulls, or is that just because you're following the team a little bit when they're when they're close to this area? Yeah, I, if IU makes a deep run, I might I might get up there, but I, 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 it depends, and it also depends, of course, on the Pacers' schedule potentially overlapping with them. If there's another IU Purdue game and it's in the tournament, I will I'll be wow. first in line for tickets. Wow. Similar. Line of questioning, we talked a little bit about what the Pacers are going to do, but from Indiana's standpoint, a couple Hoosiers that would like to be able to see themselves the next level, Jalen Hochefino and Trace Jackson Davis, obviously come to mind. Uh, from what you've seen from them this year, obviously Jalen would be a one-and-done, uh, Trace concluding his path at Indiana. Uh, where do you see them lining up in a deep preview uh, for June's draft? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. You know, Trace is so interesting at his age. uh now, like the mobile big is really popular in the NBA because the game is so much faster now and there's so many more possessions. And he is pretty mobile at the same time. It's also a very much perimeter-oriented league, and he has not shown much as a you know, behind the three-point line threat, not even as a shooter or playmaker or anything. So what kind of wins out? What it seems like. I know one team that really liked him a few years ago, but that was, I think, pre-COVID. I was having those discussions about him. So I don't know where uh, teams stand on him now. I could see him being a second-round pick kind of guy, though. His production is super hard to ignore. And, yeah, Huchifino, what a, what a year he's had. He, I mean, the, the player type that he is, able to score so well in the pick-and-roll and rise up over it seemed, seemingly anybody and – just control the pace of a game is, is so valuable. I think some people have asked me if I think he'd go in the lottery. I don't know about that high, but certainly seems like he could be a first round guy this year. That said, you know, the 2024 draft class way worse than the 2023 class. Is it worth it to get picked several slots higher and stay in school? I, that's not for me to decide, but you know, I do wonder that kind of thing with a guy like him. Tony, I want to shift the conversation right back to the Pacers really quick. Uh, Jordan Nora got his first start yesterday. He's played really well off the bench for Indio so far since coming over from Milwaukee. What have you seen so far uh, from him in a Pacers uniform? Yeah, the scoring was the thing I think the Pacers were excited about with him, right? He had 14 points against them not much, not or not long before the trade deadline and his whole career he's been you know, a pretty good three-point shooter. The two-point shot hasn't totally been his weapon off the dribble game as has not totally been something he's had to pursue in Milwaukee. But I think here, the thing, two things have stood out to me. You know, he's made the threes that he's been asked to take, especially from the corners. He's looked good. But 
He has shown some off-the-dribble bounce. Like, he had two huge plays in the last two minutes last night, one of which that led to an offensive rebound and a buddy healed, I think, three-pointer, and the other one that he finished himself that, you know, at a one-point game at the time were huge buckets, right? He's, he fit pretty well with that starting group, I thought, just by providing size. And then the thing he's done that I didn't know he – he would be adding so much to the team as rebounding. He's been really good on the glass, especially the offensive glass for this Pacers team. And, you know, if you've watched any Pacers game this year, you know that rebounding is not a skill that this team particularly has, especially because they they play so small. So I I think the shooting and and scoring is obviously valuable. You know, there's a reason they've been trying to get out there and seeing what they have with them, and he's done a good job in those areas. But adding a little bit of off-the-dribble game and uh, rebounding the ball as well as he has, I think, has made it more valuable. And, And I think that... You know, with him and Neesmith and Jalen Smith, right, a big thing for them is, you know, we, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum of, you know, you go from a contender to a team like the Pacers that's more focused on development, you, you get more chances to play. But the other thing is, you know, when, when Jordan Wara, for example, is with the Bucks, right, he, he's asked more to work on his shooting, get good at shooting. You're, you, when you're out there, you're going to shoot threes off of the Stars' passes. With the Pacers, it's not about working on the skills that well you know, help the Pacers if they're contending or in the playoffs or whatever. It's about developing all of his skills, right? It's a more development-based environment. And so I think you see him get to explore a little more and show off a little more of his game. And that's been big for him and the team so far. He's looked pretty good. Tony, you're on the home stretch. Pacers are on the home stretch. I'm not going to play this audio later, I promise you. But just to get your pulse on it, putting the analyst hat on, is this team in the play-in by the time we're talking with each other at the end of April or the start of April? You know, they still have a winning record with Halliburton plays. So I think if Halliburton plays every game, they have a pretty good shot at it. Uh, but it, it's because of that of their control and they, they're still chasing teams, I would say I would put the odds below 50%, but I still think, you know, if they have Tyrese, they could win any game. And so it's it, it basically a coin flip in my head. It's Tony East on the beat for the Pacers for Sports Illustrated. You can find his work also on Forbes, WTHR.com, and of course the Locked on Pacers podcast covers the fever as well at the next hoops, giving coverage for them. Anything I missed? Anything else you want to plug on the way out the door? (laughs) That was great, Jimmy. Thank you. Appreciate you always for making the time, Tony. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always. See you, Tony. That's Tony East. You can follow him on Twitter at TEastNBA. Similar standpoint for you in terms of where this team is at right now. You think they ultimately can and will make a push in the plan i like that's the a key Hall- it's a key cognizant. i like tony's halliburton theory. yeah exactly yeah as long as they got him and he's healthy they yep. got a shot yeah i I not gonna argue that i go from pundit to fan back and forth of what is best for the franchise right now and i agree with you that bringing in a veteran or bringing in another piece next year is necessary along with whatever you do in the draft but people keep pointing to oh well they have Three first-round picks this year. They can just trade up. I mentioned this last week. The last of those two first-rounders are going to be bottom of the order. They're basically high seconds. It's like 29th and 30th. No one's... You're not getting Webanyama, and you're probably not going to get Scoot you with those three it, picks. Is it Scooter or Scooter? I, just I, Scoot. 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 Oh, he oh, sure, just took Scoot. the A off. Because it used to be Scooter. I've only heard it as Scoot, but I'm Scoot. not going to... So I think this. I'm not going to criticize you, or I think they have to get with those last couple picks. They got to find a way to get Trace Jackson Davis on their roster. Yeah. A and B. To me, even if it's Wimbayano, and it's not going to be most likely. Yeah. The Pacers have to get the right people, not necessarily the best. They don't. To me, they don't need a superstar. They need the best pieces to fit. And maybe it is Big Victor. Who wouldn't want seven five 
that can play point guard. Yeah. But I think it, the, and most importantly, it's not going to be a superstar big three team to me. It's going to be just one heck of a basketball team. Well, as his ascension continues, you can make the argument they already have that and they want to believe that in Tyrese Halliburton. Kind of like the way the Miami Heat did it a couple years ago, got to the finals. Sure. And yes, Jimmy Butler and all, but I mean. It was Butler and, and, and a great cast around yeah. him. I mean, I no disrespect to Bam, but I mean, it, he was the main attraction yeah, in terms was. of star it power. Was. Yeah. And he was their heart and soul. Yeah. I mean, he was their guts. He was the one that was probably running the locker room. And by all accounts, you know, he was he was a great piece to that puzzle. But yet, he was their superstar, too. How much, in your mind, in your viewpoint of him, is the lack of a real perimeter game for Trace Jackson Davis and, and his stock? That's one thing people, Tony even mentioned it. You've mentioned it. Yeah. You're going to continue to point to. And is that something that is adaptable? I mean, maybe he's not beyond the arc, but stretch the floor in some way to make him viable long-term in the league. Well, I, look, we don't know if Trace can really shoot because he hasn't shot. Sure. Does that mean he can't shoot? Maybe. Half court? Obviously, I'm just kidding here, but I made a joke to buddies. I was like, oh, man, did the stock go up a little bit? Almost banked in a buzzer beater last night. When Trace Jackson Davis gets in workouts, NBA GMs, execs, you know, now that you're a GM, Jimmy. Um, yeah, thank you for the promotion, by the, the NBA, way. they'll be pleasantly surprised. Like, he's got all the goods to, to be a – he can hit jumpers. He can at least be serviceable. And he'll show it. I mean, he's got a good look and stroke. But one of the things that he does well – is he takes what the defense gives him. You know what he does? Yeah. I mean, d- does he ever really need to shoot? I mean, why would I shoot when I can go around this guy and dunk on him? Why would I shoot when I can beat this yeah. off, the, beat this guy off the dribble, draw two and pass? I mean, there's too much focus. And he is mobile. Trace can guard. Trace can guard. Trace gets switched on to point guards quite a bit. Trace can guard. He's, he's a yeah. really good defender. And in a game where you need mobile bigs, he definitely is, and and Tony alluded to that. Stain Fife, I'm Jimmy Cook. We're going to step aside. We come back, take a little bit of a look, both at the Colts post-combine as well as the start of championship week. What's well, already ongoing. If you haven't gotten on the boat, you've missed it. For me, it was an opportunity to lose some money. Hopefully, we can do a little bit better for you with bets as well still to come with championship week upon us. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife, Eddie Garrison guiding us through the afternoon here on the Fan Midday Show.